Hi, and welcome to the Bellies Abroad podcast. Bellies Abroad is a nonprofit organization that delivers the help and support families deserve during their pregnancies, postnatal, and parenting experiences. Please support us by clicking on the link at the bottom of the page or visiting www.belliesabroad.com backslash give so that we can continue to offer Bellies Abroad to as wide an audience as possible. This installment is by Christina Lubrano, Gentle Sleep Consultant. She presents scientific research on children's sleep during their first year of life. I'm going to start recording now. So if you do miss something, um, that it shouldn't be a problem, you know? You can just ask me and I'll send it to you. Okay, I'm going to make sure I have the participants up just in case somebody is late. Okay, so we today we're going to be talking about baby sleep in the first year. So how sleep matures and changes just to give you some tips and to know what to expect. I think it's really important to know what, what's going to happen in, in their, their sleep. So what we'll be talking about, we're going to talk about newborn sleep, how it changes, and then I'm going to go into a little bit why they wake at night. And then I've created, I've created a um, acronym called DREAM just to set up, just so you can have an idea of um, a good foundation for sleep. And then obviously I like talking about um, practicing safe sleep and co-sleeping, which is very important. Okay, so who am I? First of all, you probably want to know that. I'm, my name is Christina Lubrano. I'm a gentle infant sleep educator and a certified pediatric sleep consultant. I am a member of many sleep associations, so the International Pediatric Sleep Association and the International Association of Child Sleep Consultants, and I am an organizer with the Child Sleep Institute and a sleep participant which is a, an annual conference for sleep consultants. Um, so I constantly keep up to date with new research on um, child sleep, just because it's a, it's a growing world. You know, they don't, there's still tons of research going on about all sorts of infant sleep. And I am also a mom of three little boys from three, uh, a three-year-old, a four-year-old, and a six-year-old. So um, they are the reason that I am what I am today. Um, I didn't sleep for many years, I'll put it that way. So uh, they've grown my passion about the world of sleep and letting other people, parents know about how it works. So let's dive in. So um, let's first talk about infant sleep from zero to three months, okay? So I like to point out at the beginning, just a little bit about who we are when we're born, because this, this makes a big, big difference um, with sleep. You know, our infants are born with, with well-developed internal organs, but with a very underdeveloped brain. To, precise, to be precise, we're born with just 25% of an adult brain. This makes us extremely reliant on our primary caregivers. We are not able to cling like monkeys to our moms but we need to be close, really close, to allow for those frequent feeds, which has to do with the content of human milk. Um, you know, human milk is low in fat, high in sugar, so inf infants need to feed frequently. Our infants finish their development outside of the womb and their brains grow extremely quickly. They need close contact to support this development and brain growth, as well as for warmth and security, connection, all that kind of thing. So this kind, close contact support 
is day and night, and it can last for several much needed months. So this is really, really important to note that even though, you know, our babies are small and we know that we need to sleep at night, they don't know that. They need that constant support day and night, okay? So most little ones in this stage find it extremely difficult to be away from their parents and they sleep better with movement naps in a carrier or in a stroller. Just, I, I always like to point out, think about when they were in your stomach, you know, if when they were in uh, your stomach, you were walking around and they were sleeping most of the time. The moment that you sat down or laid down, you could feel the kicks. So it's the same. They get relaxed uh, with those movement naps, even in that this, they call it the fourth trimester, you know, that transitional stage. And they're easy to startle when they're placed in a flat surface that isn't close to mom or dad. So that's something else that happens with sleep. You know, you, you have your infant, you, they fall asleep in your arms, you place them down and they immediately startle. We'll talk a little bit about that later as well. So at this point, let's talk about sleep a little bit more. Um, they do not have a day and night rhythm, okay? So they, and they can't sleep for long periods for their small stomach. You know, they have, their, their stomachs are about the size of their fist. So it's very small. So they can't sleep for long periods and they don't have their day and night rhythm established yet because they don't produce melatonin yet by themselves. They usually get that um, by their mother's breast milk if, if you're breastfeeding. So what does infant sleep look like at this stage? So um, because they don't have the day and night rhythm, otherwise called the circadian rhythm, they sometimes get, have a, uh, um, that day and night confusion where they, they tend to sleep a little bit more in the day and less at night. And this is what, like I said before, because they don't produce melatonin yet. So it's really important that you wake during the day and um, we'll talk more about that later. So um, their sleep is also extremely simplistic compa compared to an adult. They have two stages of sleep only, whereas adults have five stages of sleep. Okay, so um, infants in this stage have an active sleep, which is similar to our REM sleep where we dream. And they have a quiet sleep, which is our deepest sleep in non-REM, that's what it's called. And they spend about 50% of the time in each stage and they're visible stages. So um, active sleep, which is REM basically, they're very vocal, they can be, they can wiggle, they can move, they can open their eyes, they can close their eyes, they can grimace their faces, they can grunt, you know, some babies cry out and then they fall back asleep. So it's really important to give them time, you know, even to make sure that they're really awake at the stage because a lot of parents tend to wake them up. You know, they see that they're making these noises, they go and pick them up immediately and then the baby startles saying, I was sleeping, I wasn't awake yet. So, um, and then in the, the quiet sleep, it's a very deep, deep sleep. So they're more like rag dolls, you know, they're just kind of there and they have a regular breathing. And um, you can usually tell you have the baby that's wiggling, 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 and then all of a sudden they stop, okay? One cycle for an infant at this stage could last anywhere from 30 to 45 minutes, whereas an adult is about 90 to 120 minutes, just to give you an idea, some perspective. And this is why we see those short cat naps. You know, they, they sleep 30 minutes and then they're up. Okay, that's one cycle of sleep and then they're good to go. 
um, how much sleep do they need? So uh, sometimes we see about two thirds of the day sleeping. If not, something else could be going on or they're just on the low side of sleep amounts, okay? So every child is unique and has unique sleep needs. When I, what do I mean by something else could be going on? Maybe there's a feeding issue, latch or something going on, or they have an intolerance, or they have wind, discomfort, air, anything like that, or, or they're just a particularly sensitive child, which is completely fine and normal. Usually how long they sleep is determined by what they eat. This is a really long conversation. So if you wanna know a little bit more, you can send me a note and I will send you more information about that. But naps tend to be short, like I mentioned before. So 30 to 45 minute naps at this age is completely normal and, and expected. But some kids, some little ones also could be sleeping one and a half to two hour naps, just depending on the child. Babies under six months have huge range of sleep needs. Some babies need just a short amount of time and they're fine and others seem extremely alert, okay? So one review, I always like to point this out because I find it very interesting. In 2002, one review found that normal range for sleep for a newborn was anything from nine to 19 hours per day, uh, which is huge, you know, a huge variation. A more recent one in um, 2015 found that it was a smaller range between 14 and 17 hours per day. So just, just goes to show every baby is different and even researchers, can't seem to agree on what normal is, okay? So how do you know when your little one should sleep? I always say watching for sleep cues and sleep signs and understanding for how long they can be awake is the most important thing. I always think it helps to make a sleep diary to understand their limits. Um, and try to avoid using a pacifier in those first few months just so that you have a blank canvas and you can really read their signs and their cries. So what are signs of early tiredness? A yawning, a fussing, a glazed over expression, um, gaze aversion. So you're looking at their in their face and they look away, um, waving their arms and their legs, looking a little bit pale or going quiet, maybe looking for you is another thing, mom or dad, because you, you are their security system at the moment. Late signs of tiredness instead are grimacing, arching their back, asking for comfort for feeding sometimes or wanting, not wanting to be put down. So rubbing their eyes, pulling their knees up and wriggling, crying or being inconsolable, pulling their ears, rubbing their face on your chest or on your shoulder if they're there. Those are just some things that you need to look for. So late signs of tiredness, you pretty much already want them to be where you want them to sleep, whether it's in a, in a sling for movement nap, or if it's bedtime in their cot or their bassinet, wherever you have them sleeping. Okay, so then after this stage, we go into a little bit of maturing at three to six months. So maturing happens anywhere from the beginning of sleep when they're born up until six months, but generally it happens around three to six, okay? The circadian rhythm starts to develop, their day-night rhythm starts to develop, and it's usually around three months. Um, it just depends really on when they start synthesizing melatonin, so when they are able to produce their own melatonin. 
sleep matures and changes because the cycles become more complex at this stage. They start to become more and resemble more of an adult sleep. So from a sleep biology uh, point of view, young babies fall like the zero to three month olds. So they fall straight into REM sleep, that active, they go active, quiet, active, okay? After the sleep cycles mature, the tra they transition through light sleep. So it's a non-REM sleep that's light, and then it goes to the deep sleep, and then it, it's followed by REM again, okay? So this feels really different, and some babies find it really hard to accept this transition. And sometimes it's known as a regression, okay? So I, I always like pointing, talking about this. Let's talk about the term regression or sleep regression, okay? In all reality, it isn't a regression. It is more likely that it is just the natural development of your child surfacing, okay? It's a sign that everything is going well and how it's supposed to, okay? So um, it is important also to say that not all babies find this transition uh, difficult, but some do and need our support to guide them through it. And it's completely normal and natural. It's a different feeling for them. So I often hear, you know, an infant who was sleeping well before, like the zero to three months, they were sleeping amazing. And now they could wake a lot more frequently. So why? Why does that happen? Developmentally, they are learning so much at this stage, okay? They're rolling, they're cooing, you know, the vocalization, and they're engaging a little bit more with mom and dad. They're able to get their hands in their mouth, um, developing salivary glands, you know, all, a ton of stuff. And it's, uh, they're more interested even in what's going on around them, and they're able to follow a little bit more. So this is just a really short list of some things that are going on. Um, we know that most brain development occurs at night, okay? So, and the brain's primary source of fuel is glucose sugar, which babies attain from milk. So it really isn't a surprise that babies who were previously sleeping for some long stretches will suddenly start to wake more frequently and need an extra feed or two, okay? To support this huge amount of brain growth and physical, you know, body growth as well. Um, so not only does their sleep mature and change like this, um, or we have these little, what we call regressions, I like to call them progressions. Um, but also at this point, the amount of sleep that they need in 24 hours just decreases hugely by one to two hours even, and that's a big amount. So they need more time awake. They need more stimulation. So at this stage, if, um, if you're trying to put them down for the same amount of time for naps or for sleep at night, um, you will have a fight. You know, it won't work really well because they need more time awake during the day. Okay. So this is the hard part. You know, it, it is sometimes hard to get that right balance between enough awake time and enough stimulation. So babies need more stimulation. They need interaction and playtime, but they are still really young and can't usually, and they can usually only tolerate one and a half to two hours of awake time between naps. Um, yeah, sorry. Okay. So um, then I like to move into six to 12 months. So sleep starts to really consolidate at night even more, 
so as before, as daytime sleep decreases. Okay, so there's there's always a huge wide amount of sleep needs specific to each child at this stage, okay? So um, according to the National Sleep Foundation, for little ones four to 11 months, it's about 10 to 18 hours in a day, okay? And then um, for toddlers ages one to two, it's about nine to 16 hours per day, just to give you, um, a, you know, a guideline kind of thing. At this stage, it's, it is important to be more consistent with timings and use routines. You can always use routines earlier. We'll talk more about that in a little bit. But setting times for wake up time and bedtime help establish the circadian rhythm even more. So we know that if you are waking up every day at the same hour, um, your body produces hormones right at the right time in order to help you wake up. And the same goes for going to sleep at night, okay? So if you go to bed always at the same time, your body will start to produce the right hormones to help you go to sleep at night, melatonin, for example, which just makes you feel tired, doesn't make you fall asleep, okay? And I'd like to point that out. Most of the time by, by this age, naps also generally start to fall into a rhythm during the day and a pattern kind of emerges naps even could get longer at this stage, okay? So um, always we wanna understand your baby's sleep cues and that will help you determine what time their nap is. So around six months, we generally have about three naps. There's one in mid-morning, one around lunchtime, right after lunch, and then a short one um, around, right between, around dinner time usually, and it's usually a, a short one. By nine months, that short one right before bed is usually dropped, always depending on bedtime. So we're in Italy and we have late bedtimes here. So uh, babies in Italy tend to keep that third nap a little bit longer, okay? Just to, to be able to get to that later bedtime if need be, okay? So um, 12 months, usually still two naps per day, but it could start moving towards one. Generally by 15 to 18 months, we usually only have one nap by then. So we have lots of sleep disruptions at this age as well. So always because of those developmental changes, you know, we have a ton going on, both cognitive and motor. So I always suggest encourage it a lot during the day, make them practice those new skills as much as possible. So they don't wake, um, either trying to do the new skill in their sleep or um, they wake up and they get stuck, okay? So uh, what happens now? We have rolling, rolling starts around three to four months, sitting, standing, crawling, walking, babbling, you know, understanding simple words, all of this is happening. So yeah, often when these new skills are mastered, they stop waking at night for, to practice, okay? So another thing that usually comes up around this stage is teething. So teething, uh, I, I get a lot of questions about teething and whether or not it affects sleep or not. Um, it does sometimes, you know, every kid is, is unique and they um, accept, they tolerate pain differently as well. So usually teething starts around six months of age and we see discomfort with sleep usually four days before and three days after you see it of two pop through. So how do you know it's teething versus tiredness? Um, it's hard. It's hard to tell because a lot of things going on, but if it's just teething, it's usually less interested in solid foods, 
their stools change, red cheeks, chewing on hot objects. If it's teething or tiredness, um, it could be poor sleep. Um, and they could be crying a lot more and screeching or putting their hands in their mouth and, and irritable. These are signs that it could be either or, okay? Um, another thing that happens is weaning. Weaning occurs usually around six to 12 months. So in, in some cases, babies will tend to fill up on solids in the day and not get enough milk. Um, so that could be why. We want to... Um, Sometimes milk, when it's substituted for solids, instead of just adding solids to the already stabilized milk, they tend to wake more at night to get that milk that they needed during the day. Another thing that happens is separation anxiety. So we have eight to nine months and then again around the year. So saying goodnight at this stage can be hard for that reason. You know, there, it's, a, it's a moment, a break, you know, from mom and dad. So it, it could be really hard and it could you know, even starting daycare could, could influence that as well. So speaking of sleep dis disruptions, that leads me to my next topic. So we talked a little bit about sleep, how it cycles a little bit, how it changes and matures. And now I'm getting to the big question. When will my baby sleep all night? And why does my little one still wake at night? If you have an older one, there are so many myths as to why, as to when your little one should sleep through the night, a magic age, a magic weight, a magic feeding method, all bogus, okay? There is no magic anything. Each child will behave the way they need to in that moment of their lives. We are their support system from day one. So they will wake for nutrition, for safety and warmth, for connection even and attachment. Um, those are the reasons why they need to and should wake, but there are also other reasons why they do as well. So our cycled sleep is one reason. Usually if they fall asleep with support at the beginning of the night, they will require that every time they go through one cycle of sleep. Okay, um, they're going through a new developmental stage and it's they're trying it out in their sleep. That's another reason why they could wake. Maybe discomfort, um, they're hot, are they cold, are they wet, are they, do they have wind? You know, lots of things are going on. Or they could just be on the lower needs of sleep or they have too much daytime sleep as well. There's always that, we need to find that balance of what they can do. So this slide just is to show you the statistics that it is normal. This was a study in England of about 55,000 children ages six to 18 months. And 80% of those children woke one to three times per night for various reasons, not only for feeding, but also for comfort or just needing help back to go, to go back to sleep. Um, sorry, I'm cold all of a sudden. So every, every kid is different, just like I said, just like us adults, I always like to point that out too. You know, we expect our little ones sometimes to just be put down and have a good night and have that same night every single night. But we know as adults, that's not possible for us even. You know, we go to sleep one night is great night and the next night maybe not so great just because we have all these different things going on. So, um, I also like to say, we also need to think about what is considered through sleeping through the night. There are so many studies about this, um, but some studies say that 
sleeping through the night is five hours or while others would say it's seven to eight. And then another one maybe would say 10 to 12. So what is important is that each little one will be able to make those marks when they are able to. Each one of my three little boys slept 10 to 12 hours straight at different ages. My eldest at two and a half years, uh, my second child at a year old, and then my third child at four months with dream feed. I like to point that out because I would pick him up and feed him while he was sleeping and then put him back. And so, so basically, yes, they wake at night and they should for a while, but there are things that we can do to support a healthy relationship with sleep and guide them towards continued sleep. Okay. I learned that by working with my own children and then with my work as well. So what is a foundation uh, for a good sleep? From my experience and what I love to teach is start first with the sleep basics in every instance and at every age. This could resolve what's happening for you if you if there is a problem, obviously. And if your little one is very small, it could allow you to not have to work on sleep down the line. I always like to add two start as you mean to continue. Those first three months, you can do whatever you want. Starting with some basics is always helpful, um, just so you get in a good rhythm. And then um, after that time, those first the, after the six months, you can really start um, implementing these these tricks that I'm going to give you. Okay, so let's start with our foundation for sleep with dream. So daytime activities. So like I mentioned before, we wanna use those new skills as much as possible during the day, showing or teaching them how to do those new movements so they don't get stuck at night. So I have clients who say he, he's sleeping, but he finds himself sitting in his crib and he doesn't know how to get back down. So I have to help him get down and then he falls right back asleep. Those are just those developments popping up at night and um, we need to teach them during the day how to make those movements. Um, obviously exercise and stimulation is extremely important. We know uh, they need to do a lot during the day to be able to be tired. So finding that right age balance with uh, stimulation and exercise is really important. Time outdoors and sunlight and fresh air. We know that sunlight and fresh air are help produce serotonin in our bodies. Um, and then serotonin is a precursor to melatonin. So it also helps really balance our, our circadian rhythm, which is really, really important. Creating positive memories. This is so, so important. So we can't just expect a little one to be placed in a crib in a place that they don't know, that they don't think is safe, especially if the only safe place for them is in, in mom and dad's arms. So creating memories with them in a new space can make it so much easier for them. You place them in the crib during the day, you play for a few weeks, um, spending more and more time in the crib until they are happy when they're there. And you can even leave them for five minutes or go in the other room and come back and they're still happy playing playful there. Then you know that there's that is a positive space for them. How do you create positive memories? You place them in the crib, you use puppets, you read books in there, all sorts of different things. So in their crib and in their room, when you move them into their own room could be great. So this is an, a big question that I get too. Um, wake windows, you know, time spent awake versus naps. So how long can they be awake? What do we, we know about naps? Naps prevent overtiredness. They lower cortisol, the stress hormone, and the one that keeps us awake. 
a very healthy hormone. And um, also, oops, what happened? I heard a noise. I don't know. Sorry. Okay. So low, it lowers cortisol. We have a better mood in our little ones. It increases concentration and function. So lots of things, lots of reasons why naps are really important. So how long can they stay awake though? This really depends on the little one. We first need to understand their cues and to be able to understand when um, it is their time to sleep. So watching your child specifically. There are routines help with this really, really a lot. Okay, we'll talk about routines next. There are some charts you can find online to give you an idea about of how much your little one can actually be awake, but it is really important to know that each little one is different and has different sleep needs. With my clients, I usually have them fill out a sleep blog before we start working together, just so that I can see what their little one is naturally doing before intervening, if necessary, okay? Routines um, are next. Let's talk about routines. So routines are key. For little kids of all ages. Um, they're amazing and they are amazing for both for them and for us parents. It creates security for them. There are known expectations, so they know what we expect from them. They know what comes next and they know what to do, you know? So it's part of their brain development. You do the same thing over and over again and they will naturally know what's, what's going to happen next. And, um, by parental like understanding better understanding so you if you follow the same routine every day it's easier to troubleshoot so um i always hear about this the same um uh eat awake sleep routine you know so it's really easy to troubleshoot that that routine you know you know okay he ate um, it's been 10 minutes since he ate. Could it be when, if he's crying or fussing, could he be tired? You know, you can really think about what happens. So it's easier to kind of, um, make guesses and read them. So, um, bedtime routines are really, really important too. And studies show that starting, starting these routines and implementing these routines, your, uh, it just sets your child up for a, a better bedtime, okay? And, it, and it's, it's been proven that kids who follow bedtime routines um, fall asleep easier, stay asleep easier. And we know that also that this routine can make your child tired just by following these same steps every day. So that's really, really important. I always suggest starting this routine at an early age and it will set you up through for for the year even on okay you can even do like a shortened version of your bedtime routine before naps just to give them those same sleep cues okay and uh start as you mean to continue so if reading a story before bed is important to you i always say start when they're babies because when you get to a stage, when they're 12 months old and you just decide then to read them a story before bedtime, it's probably not, it's probably going to be a little hard, especially if they're not used to reading stories like that. They will probably take the book from your hands and throw it across the room or start ripping out pages, whatever, <laughs> whatever it is. Okay. So next on our dream 
foundations of sleep is environment. So the sleep environment is so important and um, it's more important than I think we realize, especially with that circadian rhythm of ours. So um, we want the room to be the same the moment that they go to sleep at night till the next morning when they wake. Okay, so a lot of the times it's really easy to make the room the same if we work on the light. You know, if um, the moment our bodies perceive a change in light in the morning, for example, it'll start producing cortisol, which wakes us up in the morning. So if we are able to keep the room as dark as humanly possible, um, it really prevents that uh, cortisol from being produced and waking up your little one. Okay. If you do need a nightlight, which is completely okay, um, I always suggest using a red nightlight because we know that red light is the only light that does not influence melatonin production. Okay. Um, temperature, we are circadian rhythm also. This is another thing that our bodies naturally cool in the evening to get ready to go to sleep. So, um, you, what you could do both with light and temperature is right before bedtime, about an hour or so before bedtime is start dimming the lights around the house and lowering the temperature to about 18 to 20 degrees Celsius. Okay. Because, um, that is like sending your body or your little one's body that, that it is time to get ready to go to sleep and then it'll start producing melatonin for us. So also about temperature, we want to make sure that they're dressed coolly. We don't want them to be over layered, no blankets, no, um, I usually say mimic what you are wearing. So if you are comfortable, you're not waking sweaty or cold, then use the same layers that you have for your little one. So if you have a light pajamas, um, a sheet and a um, comforter, you can the baby should have a onesie maybe and a little light pajama and a um, sleep sack, for example. So you're, you're mimicking what you have on your child. Okay. Bath time often comes up too for the temperature. It really depends on your child. Some kids, um, you know, the temperature is what I'm talking about of the water because our bodies need to be cool to go to sleep. So sometimes I say do bath time about an hour ahead before bedtime, an hour, an hour and a half, two hours, or you can do it in the morning if you notice that your child is particularly excited from baths. If instead they it relaxes them and it helps them calm, then you can do it a little closer to bedtime, but just make sure that their bodies are cool by the time you need to get them in bed. Noise is another thing. I always suggest using white noise machines to block out parents' movements, streets, even sometimes when it's too quiet in our room, it's hard to fall asleep because then you hear the the slightest sound. So white noise machines are fantastic. Uh, Pink noise can be used after six months of age. What pink noise does is it mimics the, the waves that our brain makes while we're sleeping and it can actually help you sleep a little bit deeper, even for us adults, which is really nice. Um, Sleep associations, what are they? So sleep associations are what we need to do or have um, in our room, in our sleep space or on us um, to 
associate with sleep, you know, to make, to help us fall asleep better. I have to drink a um, chamomile tea and I read my book and I, you know, have all these pillows around me. Those are my sleep associations. My, my boys have a stuffed animal. They have the white noise machine that they associate with sleep, the dark room and um, reading a story before bed, obviously. So I usually suggest to apply these sleep associations to their senses in their first year. So something with sight, the black room, the dark room, something with smell, which is really, really important. And um, um, touch and taste obviously would be mom's milk or a bottle, whatever it is. Okay. So where, where do we need our little ones to sleep? So I follow WHO and um, they suggest that the baby should be in the parent's room for the first year of life, okay? But I do suggest that after six months of age, you can start moving them out of sight because they tend to be more aware of what's going on um, around their surroundings. So uh, when you move them out of sight, they are less likely to wake to talk to you, okay? Or um, you become less of a distraction even for them. So I would say no toys on top of their cribs. If you do want to use those, um, I think they're called mob mobiles, um, you can put them over, you know, the changing station where you change their diaper because that's actually really helpful. And they have something to do instead of rolling, okay? Um, and can nap, they can nap in the dark as well after about three months. Um, if you notice that your child is extremely distractible during the day. If um, they're really curious, they um, need lots of stimulation or they're uh, hypervigilant, you know, sometimes it's better if they do sleep during the day in the dark, okay? So that they are able to relax and, and kind of close off their minds for a little bit. The next part of dream is attachment. So this is really, really important for sleep. Like I said before, so we want to be responsive to our our little ones um, in order uh, to allow them to relax in us. I'll talk about that in a second. But responding to all cries, is it's been studied that it later minimizes crying. So it's very important to respond to all cries for your little one. We really want to fill their love buckets. This is just filling their need for connection. And you can do this through skin to skin time, carrying, um, carrying them in, in a baby carrier instead of a stroller or in a sling. We know that the phase of attachment for the first year of life, first years of life is proximity. This is according to Gordon Newfeld. He's a psychologist who wrote Hold On To Your Kids. It's a wonderful book. So I really suggest reading that if you do have a moment. So we know that bedtime is a break from attachment. Um, and it is an independent moment. And in order to create independence, we need to first let our little ones be dependent of us. It helps them separate. Um, we, mean, we keep them close and then they can rest in the fact that they don't have to work for our love and attention. So what does this look like? Uh, babies will curl into you. They reach out for you. They cry when they're separated from you. They can be soothed by just skin on skin contact and even just your smell. So how can you meet this need? Expect it um, is one thing. Um, meeting it by baby wearing, like I mentioned before, room sharing, holding, rocking, breastfeeding, um, skin to skin time. 
bed sharing, if, if that's uh, okay for you too. For older ones, not obviously the little babies, but hugs and squishes, a little bit of horse play and cuddling. Obviously using your soothing voice, your eye contact and remaining visible as much as possible. So that's really important. Baby massage is a great way to uh, fuel this attachment need as well. There's tons of really great people and I'm sure baby Bellies Abroad has somebody too. Um, attunement and mind-mindedness is another great thing. It's always about those cues that I was talking about before. So mind-mindedness is a developmental psychology concept and it's basically your ability as a parent to perceive your child as an individual with their own unique feelings and wishes rather than just someone whose needs need to be met. So it's just being open-minded and even thinking for your child and talking for them. Uh, an example, your kid is fussing and wriggling as an infant and it could be boredom, for example. You'd say, oh, you're fed up with that toy. Do you need a change of scenery or something like that? Okay, so it's just being open-minded and being able to read your child's cues and what they're feeling. The last part of dream is maximizing nutrition. So infants generally sleep one long stretch in 24 hours, and we really want that to happen at night. So it is really important to wake them up during the day to feed them, okay? So this really will help us to be sure that they are getting enough calories during the day. Okay. Um, if feeding to sleep is your way to go, which is completely normal and really healthy, make sure they are filling up at each feed though, because I, I hear this often, you know, parents will say he fed, I fed him to sleep. I put him down and 10 minutes later he was screaming again. Okay. So that means maybe he didn't fill up. He fell asleep. He got tired at, at your breast or with the bottle and then he, he fell asleep. You put him down. He wasn't done eating yet. So what can you do? You can put them back on. You can make sure that they stay awake, you know, undress them, um, switch sides, help them. If you're breastfeeding, help them, you know, with the letdown, pull it out a little bit, you know, use the C and um, help express for them a little bit if they're getting tired. So that can, those are things that can help. And then um, give them time awake kind of between feeding. This way, you know that they're getting enough at each feeding. Um, and then once you start to wean, I usually suggest to try new foods in the morning, um, just so your little one has a chance to digest and any discomfort that they could have from the new foods could, will dissipate by the time you get to bedtime. Okay. And also, again, we don't want to substitute milk with solids. We want to add solid to the milk. So some little ones, like I said before, wake to, uh, recoup those missed calories from the day. And dream feeds, I mentioned that I did that with my little ones and I love using them. So basically it is, you put your child down to bed, you're, you and your partner are still awake. You can go, go in there, pick them up when you're going to bed, feed them while they're sleeping and place them back in the cot. And they will, they will keep sleeping, which is beautiful. You're teaching them how to connect um, sleep cycles without having to wake up, okay, for a feed. The last thing that I want to talk about with you all is safe sleep and SIDS prevention, and obviously also uh, safe co-sleeping. So um, this is according to the WHO and the American Academy of Pediatrics. So co um, 
we want them in their own space in there in your room okay the temperature needs to be cool like i mentioned before so cool clothing like this little one and no um nothing on their heads okay or around their head they are laying on their back to sleep no loose blankets or objects in the crib and obviously no smoking okay so um the next part of this is co-sleeping so sometimes I know maybe we don't want to, or maybe we do want to start from the beginning, but I do need to say just a few things so you know how to do co-sleeping safely, okay? So this is a position that we like to see the mom's elbow or arm is between the, the infant's head and the pillow, which is really important so that the little one does not go under the pillow. The baby is breast height, okay? So he's right in the same position. He can just turn over and breastfeed with mom without any problems. We don't want any sheets, pillows, or covers over the child. So basically you wanna mimic that other picture that we saw, um, this one, okay? But next to you, which is completely fine. So um, follow the safe sleep guidelines that I just mentioned before, and we want to avoid allowing pets or other children on the bed if we have a young infant. And then ensure obviously that the bed is safe, that the baby cannot get stuck in between mattresses or under um, between a wall and the mattress. So um, there are some instances when you really shouldn't co-sleep. Um, smoking, if anybody smokes, uh, we should not co-sleep. If um, you have alcohol or drugs or even pharmaceuticals that cause sleepiness, it's best to avoid co-sleeping. If you are extremely tired or fatigued, um, you should not co-sleep. If your baby is on artificial milk or formula, if your baby is 37 weeks or less, they're premature. Um, if they had a low birth weight of five and a half pounds or less, and I always ask that you do not ever sleep on a couch or a recliner. Um, if you don't wanna sleep with your little one in bed, um, I usually suggest just get a, a yoga mat or a workout mat and place it on the floor and feed them on the floor. It's very, it's safer there than it would be on a recliner, okay? And what I can do for you. That was my, my spiel on safe sleep, okay? So what can I do for you? I What I do is create a sleep plan just for you and your family and your child based on your unique family and your, your unique child. I help with nap timings and transitioning and even coaching on naps if they need to lengthen them or if they're too many or we need to add more, you know, just a little bit of everything on naps. I teach calming strategies. I do gentle sleep coaching to teach your little one independent sleep. Um, they are very, very gentle methods. We, they're always responsive and we stay with your child the whole time. And I help manage developmental milestones and their effect on sleep. And I love to empower the parents that I work with to manage any bumps along the road because our, our little ones are growing and changing. So it's normal that we get any bumps. So that is my conversation and I will stop the recording and um, we can open up for any questions. Okay. If you enjoyed this presentation and would like to support us so that we can continue bringing you more free, fact-based content, please consider donating to Bellies Abroad 
at www.belliesabroad.com backslash give. Bellies Abroad, for healthier mothers, healthier babies, and a healthier future.